again and welcome back to the KI Prime podcast. My name is Alina Jenkins and in this episode we're speaking to Anna Pettersen. Anna has a PhD in physiotherapy and an MSc in medical education. She is program director for the physiotherapy program at the Karolinska Institute, a teacher of the undergraduates in the physiotherapy program and a researcher in medical education. Anna, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It's great to have you. And I wanted to start by asking you about your area of research. So looking back, my area of research, I really actually changed. I was, when I started researching, I started in geriatrics, looking at uh, cognition and motor function. And then after my PhD, I was asked to do some teaching because I was working in the hospital and then I uh, started to teach and I understood that there was a knowledge gap for me. I felt, you know, didn't know how to best support students in their learning. And uh, I've always been very interested in, in learning and professional development and things like that. So I, I then changed my research path to medical education. So I haven't been doing that for so long, actually, but I'm very passionate about professional development as it relates to aspects that are not so easily learned through a book. When we look at professional competence, we talk about uh, knowledge, skills and attitudes and knowledge and skills if knowledge, you can teach these things as an expert. Often we have a lot of experts at Karolinska Institute who like to talk about what they are expert on and uh, skills in the physiotherapy program. We focus a lot on skills, practicing uh, how to help people uh, gain strength and balance, coordination and things like that. But what about attitudes? Attitudes are not very easy. If you read a book, have, can you change your attitude by reading a book? Maybe. I don't know. And with professional, there are a lot of professional attitudes that you need to have as a physiotherapist or as a health professional, but it's not so easily captured, not so easily measured. And how do we support students developing a professional attitude? So this uh, made me interested in reflective practice. And I try to find ways to support students in their reflective practice. Hopefully, uh, this will be a means for them to develop professional attitude. And I think attitudes are based on values and assumptions. And sometimes you need to rethink your attitudes and values. When you meet people in, in healthcare who have other values and attitudes compared to yourself. Mm. How, sort of thinking back to when you were doing your training, how different is, is what you're proposing and what you're thinking about to how you learned? I'm just, I'm always fascinated how, how ideas and ideologies move on. So would you have appreciated perhaps this kind of approach when you were doing your training? Uh, yes and no. I know that our students' reflective practice is not very easily done. Critical reflection is not uh, very easily done. 
So it's hard work. As a student, you might not like hard work, <laughs> but uh, it's important. And I would have liked that more if I look back to my, my own education. We didn't do very much of that at all, I would say. It was a lot of focus on uh, facts, knowledge, measurable knowledge, objective knowledge, reading books, uh, articles, science, and skills, of course, but very little of reflective practice, really. And one thing that I find it so important to, to support or to foster reflective practice is also that knowledge is changing. What we know today is not what we will know tomorrow. So we need to be prepared to kind of rethink the way we think and the way the practice. Mm. So my hope is to improve teaching and learning and improve medical education so, so our students will be uh, prepared for a changing world. I know that one of your focuses is, is on 3D visualizations. Yes. I was wondering if you could tell me more about that. Mm, yes, that's another path in my, uh, in my research, but also focused on, on learning how students understand anatomy. Anatomy education today is not what it was before. Now we have so many different uh, techniques of illustrating anatomy. And I realized that anatomy in a book is totally different from uh, looking at a cadaver, for instance, or if you operate, if you're a doctor or a surgeon and you operate. So the anatomy will look totally different. And today we have a new technique such as uh, uh, possibilities to visualize anatomy. And then we wanted to see how students learn anatomy through uh, visualization. And uh, it has been very interesting. Yeah, and how, how so? I mean, what, it, it's a, a new development. And obviously, mm -hmm. I'm guessing there's sort of some AI and, and latest technology that's coming into play here. So how have the students responded? Are you seeing perhaps a different way of learning and reflection by using these, these 3D visualizations? Mm -hmm. and, and it's not the technique per se that we looked at. We looked at the, the students' process, yeah. the process by which they came to understand the anatomy. So what we did was that we, we let them just, you know, use this technique. And we stood aside and we watched them work for themselves. And we observed how they went about dealing with this anatomy and how they came to understand the anatomy. So it wasn't a teacher-led session. The students, they got to use the technique for themselves. And we saw that how they learned by interactions with each other, by interactions with the visualization table, the technique, and how they explored the images and compared, wanted to compare. They sought comparison to understand something, uh, previous references. I know where this uh, bodily landmark is. And when I know where this is, I can, and if I go left and then if I compare with this, then, aha, it's, uh, is that how it looks like? Or, oh, is it that big? I didn't realize that. 
So it was really fun to to observe the students' learning process while discovering and learning anatomy. Yeah. So it sounds like it's still early days. Yes, in it is. in this in this mm. research, it sounds. Mm already positive you're saying you know mm. that they were having those mm. light bulb moments um, mm. that it sounded fun as well I'm always interested in this you know let's make learning fun because if people are enjoying it they're much more likely to remember it so although still early days what are your initial thoughts around this are you are you excited are you optimistic about the prospects of, of using this kind of of learning I am and I do think that uh, one thing that is uh, challenging is that you have very large uh, courses. Uh, the amount of students are large and the, the teaching resources uh, are limited. Mm. So this is uh, perhaps a resource demanding way of learning anatomy. But we do think that it is important to, for the students to be motivated to find motivation and to for them to explore. So I think it's a, an I I think it can be an important complement to other ways of teaching teaching and learning anatomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a complement to to books and memorizing perhaps uh, anatomical concepts and terms and things like that. So it it was it was fun. Uh, we saw that in, in the students. It was fun to to own the process themselves instead of having an expert pointing out important and anatomical structures for them to remember. Here they got to explore for themselves. And that seemed to be very important for their motivation. So I think when you plan teaching and learning activities within anatomy, I think it's important to, to create space for students to allow them to explore for themselves. Mm-hmm. to to engage in in aspects and phenomena of education that they find interesting and important not what i as an expert this is important for you to learn mm-hmm. so here we let them explore for themselves and that seems to be very important yeah and, and as you're saying earlier it's about that having that time for reflection and i think it's it's fascinating isn't it how we're now realizing that the days of textbooks and somebody standing at the front of the room and saying learn this and do this and memorize this is is not an effective way of learning and and to give students time for reflection also i've been speaking to um, to anik about sort of self regulation as well and and is that something that you you consider as, a, as as to how students think about what they've learned and sort of assess them where they're going. Is that part of your research? N- not self-regulation as a concept. We haven't looked into that, but mm. uh, it has commonalities. I, my, this way of teaching and learning anatomy might be a way to foster self-regulation. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and what are your what are your hopes for this research? Where would you like this to take you? Do you have do you have, do you have goals that you're that you're hoping hoping to meet? Mm-hmm. Uh, in this particular research study, we use the educational design research, and that's a, a particular way in, in in research where you kind of where you find answers to problems and gain knowledge uh, at the same time uh, for a particular context. So you take context into into your reasoning. And I think context is very important when you talk about learning. So how you learn 
is influenced by so many factors, by students themselves, by the topic, uh, by the interaction happening there, and the, the context, the wider context. So learning is very complex. And mm-hmm. I think when we study learning and want to uh, gain knowledge about learning, I think we need to uh, also consider that complexity and the context where it takes place. Yeah. Is, is that is that quite a challenge, do you find, in in this research that you're doing? Because mm-hmm. it's so complex, it's, it's where, how do you, how do you unpick it? A lot of research within medical education, uh, for instance, in this uh, type of area where you look at uh, new techniques, for instance, they tend to uh, compare one uh, technique with another or one uh, way of teaching with another. You have a lot of comparison studies. studies. But what we, what we have done is that we, we looked into the learning process, taking the, the context into consideration. So I think we need to do more of that. Mm. And, and what are you hoping to, to gain from these three days as, as one of the 2022 fellows? Congratulations, by the way, on, on being here. What a fantastic opportunity to come together. What are you hoping to gain from these three days and what do you think it might mean for your research? I already feel so inspired. Uh, by everyone else. And I, I see that we share common interests. So I hope to, to gain friends and people who I can contact and collaborate with and learn from. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's such a big part, isn't it, of, of medical education research is that support, but also mentorship. And is there, mm. if you think about your career, are there people that mentored you that that helped you get to where you are today and perhaps any advice that they gave you as a mentor? Absolutely. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for people who, there have been very important people who helped me discover this this area. And it's totally different from, uh, from what I've done before. So uh, the first person I'd like to name is my predecessor, uh, Ingrid Lindqvist. She was program director and she kind of invited me into this, uh, the educational world and, uh, trusted me. I got assignments and got me interested into this and, and her thinking has made a lot of impact on me. And then we have, uh, Charlotte Silian. Uh, who has been a very important person for me. She is so supportive and she always sees something interesting to uh, to pursue and uh, very inspiring and very a very good role model. Mm. And I'd just be interested to to hear your thoughts on, you said at the beginning that you started off initially in sort of geriatrics and, and realized that wasn't quite for you. So your advice to new researchers coming through, the next generation of researchers, what would your advice be to them if they find themselves in a position that, you know, I'm not quite too sure whether this is right for me? My advice would be to for them to search a context where you meet people with similar interests, where you can get that support and uh, and be inspired and uh, look for role models. Uh, because when you're in a context in, with people who inspires you, I think you you can grow and you, you get motivated. And uh, yeah, it's fun. 
Yeah. And, and I think it comes back to that idea as well, isn't it, of making learning fun, mm. making it something where people look forward to coming to a lecture, yeah. to a lesson. Mm. When people are having fun, generally they remember mm. more and they, they want to do more with it. Anna, it's really lovely to speak to you and about your area of research. Enjoy the, the few days we have together here at, uh, at the Fellowship. And thank you everyone at home for listening. We'll be back with another episode very soon. For now, goodbye. Goodbye.